Revelation chapter 10 and verse number 1. He said, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw standing upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things which are that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets and the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many people and nations, and tongues, and kings. Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name, God, that you would bless the reading of thy word. Lord, you know I want to be obedient to you this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom, leadership, and direction for the message today. God, our tongue and our thoughts, and help us, Lord, not to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. God, I pray that you remove any carnality from our lips today. Lord, help us not to say anything that would bring a reproach upon you or upon the church. But I pray this morning that we would receive with meekness the engrafted word. I pray that God, you'd save the lost, reclaim the backslid. Lord, you know the need of this hour. And I pray, God, that you would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm preaching through the book of Revelation just as the Holy Spirit leads me to. I'm not saying that uh, the few several weeks back God was speaking to my heart about preaching through this book and said, just preach till I tell you you're done. That may be the last chapter. It may be the 12th chapter. I don't know what God is doing 100%, but I know that he's doing something in our church. Hey, when I think about Revelation chapter number 10, when you come to this text this morning, there is two people that I want us to turn our eyes upon this morning. In verses one through three, I want us to turn our eyes upon Jesus, amen? And I want us to see this mighty angel that is the Lord Jesus Christ with this little book that is in his hand. And then I want us to turn our eyes upon John and see John and the responsibility that this angel puts upon John. But there's something interesting in verse number three and verse number four that really is the focus of our message that I wanna preach on this morning. The Bible said in verse number three that talking about Jesus, that had that mighty angel that is standing one foot on the sea and one foot on the earth, that he cries with a loud voice and when, as when a lion roareth. And notice this, the Bible said that when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered 
and right them not. When you think about these seven thunders this morning, I was reading a little bit about that this week and the Holy Spirit just began to deal with my heart about these seven thunders. John is seeing this angel. He's seeing him with him with this book. There is a lot of things in chapter 10 that are worthy of taking note of. Certainly the mighty angel, certainly the little book, uh, certainly the, 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 the plan of God, the mystery of God that will be finished. Uh, all of these are mysteries in chapter number 10 that will be and are worthy to note it uh, this morning. But when you think about the seven thunders, I was looking at that and as this uh, uh, lion cries out, as he cries as a roaring lion, there's a, there's a response in this chapter here by these seven thunders. Now, some people believe that these seven thunders are good. They believe that they are heavenly voices that are speaking out the mysteries of God, that things that will, uh, details concerning the end times and the future age that is to come and certainly that could be true this morning. It could be heaven that is responding to this roaring lion and then others think that this is hell that is responding back, that this is uh, Satan and those upon this earth that they are rebelling against the mighty angel that is holding that book in his hand and is declaring victory and declaring power and that as he roars as a lion that there's seven thunders that are, uh, that are uttering back at him. As I was reading about that, you might be here this morning and say, well, preacher, which one do you think it is? Do you think it's heaven responding to Jesus in this text, or do you think it's hell and Satan that is responding to Jesus in this text? My answer would be this this morning, I simply do not know, amen? The reason that I do not know, and I don't think anybody knows, it could be good, it could be evil, is because we don't know what they're saying, amen? The Bible said in verse number three, that these seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, notice John, he was about to write as he heard the, a voice from heaven saying to him, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and notice this and write them not, amen? I don't think you can rightfully say who they are because, or rightfully say who they are because you don't know rightfully what they said, amen? Perhaps if we knew what these voices were saying, then we would know who they are. Isn't that right? I'm going somewhere this morning. That's just logical. If we knew what they were saying, then we could identify. Maybe it's the mysteries of God. Maybe it's the truths concerning the end of times and details that we're not told about. Maybe it is Satan and, and those nations upon earth rebelling back to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. But whatever it is, here's what I want you to see this morning. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, there's a response of our Savior in verse number three, as, this, as he cries with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, a lion roars for one reason, and that is to bring fear to his foes. Isn't that right? There is the response of our Savior. There is the response of these seven thunders. There's the response in verse number four of the servant as he begins to write. But then there's the response of a sovereign God. As he said, seal up those things which the seven thunders have uttered and write them not. You say, preacher, you keep emphasizing that. I'm emphasizing it for a reason this morning because what is happening here is John hears the seven thunders take place and he begins immediately to write down what they're about to say. And God speaks out of heaven and tells him, do not write these things, but seal them up and write them not. In other words, God wanted John to focus on some things in chapter number 10 
other than the seven thunders. Amen. These seven thunders were loud, but they were not meaningful for John. They were not meaningful for you and I. In other words, uh, they were a distraction, even though they were of importance for some reason, for somehow, they was, an, they was a distraction in the life of John. And, G, and the Lord says to him, don't write these things. There's some other things that I want you to focus on. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on distracting voices of thunder. Amen? Distracting voices of thunder. You know what thunder does this morning when thunder rolls in? It lets us know a few things. Number one, it lets us know that a storm may be brewing. Amen? You see, when a thunder comes in, it reminds us that a storm could be on the way. But then sometimes there's thunder, but yet there is no storm. You ever seen that? You'll hear a big thunderhead, but you won't see any rain. You won't see any storm. No storm will come. You know something about thunder? I thought about my grandson, J.C. One day he come to the house. He had a real serious look on his face, and he looked at me real serious, and he said, Papa, he said, I do not like thunder. And I thought, well, I don't know where he got that from. He said, I don't like thunder. I said, why don't you like thunder? He said, because it's loud and it scares me. And I said to him, I said, well, it may be loud and it may scare you, but I said, thunder really can't harm you. And when you think about it, that's what thunder is. It's loud, it gets your attention, it gets your attention off whatever it is you're focused on, but thunder within itself cannot hurt you. And here John, uh, God wants John to focus uh, on some things in chapter 10 other than the thunder. I want to tell you we're living in a time when I think one of the greatest tools that Satan is using against our church and in this world is the tool of distraction. Amen. He is trying to get people's minds off of anything on anything other than the Bible and God. If you want to know why people are not as close to God, not as serious, and why many are not even getting saved, it's because their mind has, is in so many different other areas. Hey, listen, God knows how to get our attention, but oftentimes the devil uses distractions in our life. Isn't that right? Now, I want, you to, I want you to see this this morning. Probably one of the greatest tools he uses is a cell phone. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, some people can't live without their cell phone. I mean, it's their third kidney. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they can't function. They look at it constantly, every day, all day long. Uh, listen, uh, I'm telling you, friend, I refuse to live in that kind of world uh, where that I'm bound to a device, amen? I don't wanna live my life bound that way. You say, but preacher, that's the way of the world today. It may be the way of the world, but it ain't the way I'm going, friend, amen? I'm telling you, I can live without a cell phone. I can live without a phone altogether in this day and time. I know they're necessary. I know that we need them, uh, but I just refuse to live my life. That's one of the distractions of our day, getting our eyes on people, getting our eyes on problems. We could just talk about that all day long. But what God wants John to do in this cha chapter here, he don't want him to be focused on the thunder. But there's some things I want you to see this morning that John, uh, that God wants John to be focused on. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Well, notice with me in verse number one and two, he wants John's eyes uh, on the right victory. Amen. He wants him to put his eyes on Jesus. In 
verse 1 and 2. And what John sees in verse 1 and 2 is first of all, he sees the glory of Jesus. As the Bible said, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. That represents the glory of Jesus. Amen. In Genesis 22 and verse 5, Jesus is called an angel as he came and visited with Abraham. And you know that my friend, the Shekinah glory of God is always represented in the Old Testament in a cloud. It was a cloud that hovered over the tabernacle. It was a cloud that my friend that led the children of Israel. It was a cloud that first filled that tabernacle or that tent of the tabernacle when it was built. And so it represents the glory of God. And what God wants John to do is get his eyes on the right victory. He wants him to put his eyes not on the thunder, but he wants him to put his eyes on Jesus. Amen. I tell you, we could have revival overnight if we could get our eyes off the distracting thunders of this world and if we could not hear the loud thunder of this world and get our eyes on the glory of Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, let us not forget that the book of Revelation is not about the tribulation. It's not about the Antichrist. It's not about the false prophets. It's not the false prophet. It's not about the kings of the east or the kings of the west or all the nations of this world, but it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is the unveiling of him. John saw him in chapter one. It was him that taught to the churches in chapter two and chapter three. It's him that's around the throne in chapter four and chapter five. It's him that's the only one worthy to open the book and to loose the seals. It's him standing here with this little book in his hand and one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. Hey friend, it's him that's coming back in Revelation 19 on a white stallion with the armies of heaven. It's him that's gonna sit on the throne of David and rule for a thousand years. If you wanna know what this book is about, it's about Jesus Christ, amen? And if you wanna know what this world is about and what this world is coming to, it's not coming to an end, it's coming to Jesus Christ, amen? His world belongs to him. My friend, it's his because he created it. It's his because of Calvary he bought it. And it's his because he conquered it, amen? One of these days, uh, he will conquer this world. He owns this world. He's got his foot. His right foot is on the sea. His left foot is on the land. The Bible says what that proves uh, is that every drop of water belongs to him. It proves that every grain of sand and dirt in this mud ball belongs to him. Amen. In Bible times, uh, whenever they would overthrow a nation that had a shoreline, what would happen is that captain would go down to that shoreline and I'll tell you what he would do, just what he does in this text. He would put one foot on the water. He would put one foot on dry land and then he would do what this mighty angel Jesus does in verse number five. He would raise his hand and declare victory, amen. I wanna tell you, my friend, we see the glory of Jesus. We see the grace of Jesus with that rainbow. We see the greatness of Jesus in verse number one. As the Bible said, his face was as the sun and he has the book. I'm talking about he is in charge this morning. My friend, what we need to do is get our eyes on the right victory. Victory was won at Calvary. Can I get a witness on that? 
I want to tell you we're not working for victory. We're not working to victory. We're working from victory. Amen. That cross symbolizes victory and it symbolizes Jesus. And what we need to do is not put our eyes on the news, not put our eyes on world and current events, not put our eyes on the problems or on our job or everything that's going on in our life, but we need to put our eyes on the one that'll never leave us and never forsake us. Amen. We need to put our eyes on the one that said, I'll go with you always, even to the end of the world. You know how he can make that promise? because he made the world, friend, and he is the resurrection, he is the life, and John says, I see the glory of Jesus. He sees a rainbow on his head, that's the grace of Jesus. Noah found grace, didn't he? In the eyes of the Lord. And then he sees, uh, the Bible said in verse number one, he sees his face was as the sun. That is his greatness. When Moses came off the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible said that his face shone, the glory of God shined on Moses' face. You know the story, they put a veil over Moses' face. But I want to tell you, that was just a reflection of God's glory. He had been in his presence, and the Shekinah glory of God was reflecting off the face of Moses. But when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah was there, and Peter, James, and John was there, and God the Father was, was looking down and about to speak out of heaven as Jesus prayed. The Bible said the first thing that happened to him as he was transfigured is that his face began to shine like the sun, just like verse number one. His face began to shine like the sun. My friend, that was not a reflection, but my friend, that was the image of his glory that was coming through. When Jesus started praying on the Mount of Transfiguration, I want to tell you his humanity had to give way to his deity. His deity took over. And I, my friend, a person is identified by their face. That's how we know them. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I want to tell you on the Mount of Transfiguration, he prayed himself out of humanity and into deity. He prayed himself in the glory. I'm talking about if we want to have revival, we need to see the, the glory of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the great of Jesus and the governing of Jesus. Hallelujah. He's got that book. That book in chapter five, the Bible said John wept because no man was worthy to open that book. He said, and then one of the elders said to him, weep not, for the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, had prevailed and opened the book. He said, I turned and looked and in the midst of the throne there stood a lamb. I want to tell you the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. He owns the title deed to this earth. He opens it in chapter five, chapter six and seven. Those seals are loosed, uh, which looses them trumpets in chapter number eight, the prayers of the saints. Uh, and here we are in chapter number 10. And my friend, listen, John needs not to see the thunder. He needs not be distracted. He needs to keep his eyes uh, on the right victory. Amen. I tell you what I'm gonna do in these last days uh, when the church has got worldly, when the church has grown cold and indifferent and died, uh, when it seems like in a a lot of places uh, when my friend you can't even get people uh, to worship like they used to and say amen like they used to uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do uh, I'm not going to roll over with the rest of them and play dead uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do uh, I'm going to keep my eyes uh, on the one that's been leading me for these past 30 years uh, you can shout pout do whatever you want to do that make no difference to me uh, I'll tell you he's too good to me uh, and being saved is too wonderful and going to church is too great uh, if I got to amen my own preaching I'll I'll do that, amen. I'm telling you, it's just good, hallelujah. 
Brother, I thank God I'm not old, but I was born in a time when they still some fire in the church. Hallelujah. Preachers filled the front row. They all had to itch to preach. And they got up there and said amen. And they shouted and they praised God. And the presence of God was real. I am so thankful that God let me get an old-fashioned taste of that. As a teenage boy, I said, God, I want that. And the Lord let me have it. And by the grace of God, I'm not letting this dead church crowd, a church religion day, take that away from me. Hallelujah. I've never understood why anybody can't get excited about being saved. I've been excited since I've been saved. You say, you shout every day? Nope, but I try to. Amen. I'm talking about he's good, isn't he? He ain't just good at church, friend. I love to see him. I love to see him on Monday, don't you? I love to sit in the house and, and hear the songs of Zion sung and hear the preaching. I, I was listening to some preaching this past week and I want to tell you that preacher was a preaching on prayer and he was every morning, he was a preaching on prayer and I'm gonna tell you I got under conviction, I got blessed, I got encouraged, I got chastened. I mean, it just every emotion you had, he touched everything in preaching on prayer. And I thought to myself the other day, I thought, dear God, what a privilege it is and to be able to turn the radio on and hear some old-fashioned preaching in this day and time when it's fading off the scene. I'm telling you, friend, I don't want to get my eyes on anybody. I don't want to get my eyes on anything. I want to keep my eyes on the right victory, amen. Isn't that right? I don't understand people that are happy one Sunday and mad the next. Y'all still with me, aren't you? I'm talking about, listen, I mean, brother, the joy of the Lord is our strength this morning. Not only does he want him to keep his eyes on the right victory, but he wants him to keep his ears on the right voices. He don't want John listening to this thunder. Now, you know this thunder has some meaning or it wouldn't be in the Bible, isn't that right? But John is not to write it down. He's not to pay any attention to it. He is to... Keep his, vo- his ears on two voices in verse three and four. He's to keep his ears on the voice in verse three and that is the voice of that lying that's crying out. That's Jesus. And then he's to keep his voice on the one in verse four that told him to seal it up and write it not. And that's a sovereign God. You know, there's a lot of voices in this world. We live in a day when everybody's a, a doctor, everybody's got an opinion, everybody's got an idea, you know. I mean, listen, to, y'all ever think about this? I mean, you know, if you listen to what everybody says, I mean, you just crawl in the hole and die, isn't that right? They tell you, oh, you can't eat this. And then they say, well, you gotta eat this, but don't eat too much of this. I mean, all the time they're saying, well, you know, we come out with this will kill you and this will kill you. I got news for you, you're gonna die. If the trumpet don't sound in your lifetime, you're going to die one day. Something or someone is going to kill you. You're going to die. I just, I quit worrying about that stuff. Somebody found out I used Roundup there. They said, oh, you use Roundup? You know Roundup will kill you? I said, well, I've been using it if I ain't dead yet. They said, you better stop using that. I said, I'm not going to quit using that. Can't believe I'm preaching on Roundup. I ain't gonna quit using it just cause somebody said it's gonna kill you. I mean, next week it'll be, you know, I mean, I just, I hate weed eating so much. I'm gonna, I'd rather use Roundup and take my chances. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? It's people's crazy nowadays. 
Some people think too much about things, don't they? I mean, I'm not going out there and drinking battery acid or something stupid like that. I'm just simply saying this. I just, they just a lot of voices in life I just don't pay no attention to. Can I get a witness right there? Hey, just a lot of things in life. If that's what people want to do, I say more power to you, amen. But I tell you, listen, I'm just going to go on and live and trust God and live life the best I can, and he's just going to have to take care of the rest of it. And when it comes time for me to die, it ain't going to matter if I use Roundup or not. He's going to round me up and take me to glory, amen. And it ain't going to make no difference, friend. I'm just simply saying this. I mean, we just live in that kind of a world. I want to keep my ears on the right voices, amen. I don't want to listen that crowd that'll defeat you. I don't want to listen to that crowd that'll discourage you. I don't want to listen to that crowd, my friend, that'll defy you. I don't want to listen to the word of God. I want to listen to the son of God. I want to listen to his voice. It is the sweetest voice that you will ever hear. Oh, I heard his voice this morning. I heard it this morning. Praise God. He said, I want you to preach this sermon. I said, Lord, I'd preach it right now if I could. Amen. There's only one voice that I really want to pay attention to. Brother, I'm telling you how many people today have got distracted. While I'm on that subject, don't let people influence you. I mean, I think your pastor, I think you, the elders of the church, your Sundays, people that carry the word of God ought to have an influence in your life. You know, I, I believe that. That's not, but we live in a world where people are so fickle. Whatever the, whatever the going thing is, that's what they do. Why is that? You know, if, if, if I want to wear, if I want to wear an orange tie on Christmas, I don't care what everybody thinks about it. Is that right? If I want to wear black in spring, it ain't nobody's business. Is that right? Y'all still with me out there? It doesn't matter. You say, well, the fashion police ain't going to like that. Doesn't make no difference. I'm not trying to keep up with nobody. Y'all with me, aren't you? I'm only, I mean, I only got about 30 minutes of preaching left. Amen. I'm just telling you this morning. Hey, listen, when we think about it, you gotta keep your ears on the right voice. You can't listen to everything that you hear or you're gonna get distracted. You're gonna get your focus off what God wants you to do. You just gotta stay where God wants you to listen to those that have the word of God. I tell you, we're living in a time, and I don't think it's that way here, but it sure is a lot of places. I, I feel sorry for pastors nowadays and men of God because uh, they're losing the ear of people because people think that what they're hearing out there is better than what they're hearing in there. I may not tell you something you've not, not, that's not I'm not going to tell you something new. I'm not going to tell you something that you've never heard before, but I'm just simply going to take that book and remind you of what God told every one of us and that's what we need. It's not pull a rabbit out of the hat it had every Sunday. It's not preach some uh, uh, fresh, something different type of sermon that nobody's ever heard. I'm talking about let's just take the Bible and let's just go verse by verse and line upon line and let's just preach what thus saith the Lord. Lord, hallelujah. That's what we need. The word of God, the voice of God. When we come to church, I pray you don't hear my voice. He wants John to hear his ears on the right voice, his eyes on the right victory. He wants his emphasis on the right vow. Notice what he said in verse number six. He swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that are therein and the sea and the things that are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel which he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. 
What does that mean that time shall be no longer? I'm not a Greek theologian, don't know anything. I, I took Greek for six months and probably failed it. But I think the teacher wanted me to just go on, so he passed me. I barely know English. But I was reading somebody that did know Greek, and they said that word Greek, that word time is the same word for delay. And what is being said is when Jesus puts one foot on the sea and one foot on the land, and he raises his hand, he swears as God swore by himself before Abraham, Jesus swears by himself, for they can swear by no greater, Hebrew says. They give us their word that the delay will be no longer, that time will be. We know time is still going to be. There's a millennial. That's a thousand years. That's time, isn't it? But what are you saying? The mystery of God is going to be finished. God is going to stop the clock on sins, what he's going to do. He's going to put an end to unrighteous living. He's going to, he owns that book. He owns the earth. He owns the title deed. and He's declaring that he is the victor and that he is going to put an end. He makes a vow. He swears. And listen, you and I are not to swear because we cannot keep those vows because we are just mortal and we can't, we can't do anything. But God can do all things. And so he swears by himself that he is going to punish and put an end. He's going to stop the clock of sin. The mystery of God is going to be finished. There's no longer going to be a delay. The restrainer is gone. That last trumpet's going to be poured out. Those vials are going to be poured out and God is going to rain down judgment. Oh, hear me, sinner friend. If you're here this morning and you're lost without God, you better get out of your seat and run to an old-fashioned altar this morning and get born in the family of God before it's too late or you'll die and go to hell without God. Amen. You know, I read the story of a man who He's trying to catch a, tra a train. And he got there and he come up to the agent and he said to him, he said, what time? Or he said, he said am I late? He said, is the, eight, is the 801 train still, has it ran yet? And the agent looked at him and said, well, sir, what time is it? He said, well, I don't know. He said, if you go by my clock, it's 757. If you go by the town clock, it's 7.59. If you go by the station clock, it is 8.04. He said, is the 8.01 train, has it left yet? And the agent said to him, said, sir, said, you can go by whichever clock you, want, you choose to go by. But the 8.01 train has already left, and you're too late. And I want to tell you something, friend. We're living in a time when there's a lot of distracting voices out there. People will tell you, oh, well, you're, you're good enough to go to heaven on your own. Well, you've never done anything. You, you've never harmed anybody. Or, well, you know, God, and boy, I'm telling you something. The only clock you better go by is the one I'm preaching from this morning. Don't take my word this morning. Take God's word. Don't take the word of some friend or some coworker or somebody out there that makes you feel good. Look in the Bible and see what God says. And what God says is that Jesus is coming soon, that he may come at any moment. It could be before I finish preaching this morning. And what I would say to you this morning is if you're here and you're not saved, you're not ready to meet God, you need to get born again in this service this morning. You need to get out of your seat and come to this altar. Repent of your sins and trust Christ as your Savior. What he did on the cross will save you. 
but it'll be that alone. You must trust the blood of Jesus Christ to deliver you from the damnations of hell. You say, I don't believe that. Then you'll die in your sins and go to hell. If you're here and you say, but oh preacher, I don't want to go to hell and I know Jesus can save me. Then if you'll come, if you'll run to the altar, if you'll come to Jesus this morning, that my friend is the emphasis. That's the vow that's been made that God the Bible said for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're willing to come and if you're willing to call, he's willing to save. Then I want to say in closing as we get a song ready, he wants John's evangelism on the right vision as he tells him to take this book and eat it. He said it'll be sweet in your mouth and bitter in your stomach. Why is that? Because the word of God is sweet because it's true. But what he has to say here is bitter because it's God's judgment. And I would say this morning, as any preacher, Brother Danny was mentioning hell when I walked in this morning. You know, I appreciate a Sunday school teacher that'll teach about hell, don't you? And I thought about while he was teaching, I thought about what I was going to preach on this morning. I thought, you know, God knows what he's doing. No doubt there's somebody here that needs to be saved. Pastor asked me yesterday, he said, Preacher, let me ask you a question. He said, Are you seeing a lot of people saved? I said, Not like we used to. He said, Do you see a lot of people respond? Come, he's not talking about saved people, but he's talking about lost people. Do you see a lot of people even respond to the message? I said, No. I said, In fact, it's hard to get folks to raise their hand. Used to. Even a few years ago, as I mentioned the other day, a lost man would raise his hand and say, I'm lost, I need to be saved. Friend, the first step in getting saved is realizing you're lost. You can't get born again till you come clean with God and admit you're lost. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're here and you're lost, you need to be saved this morning. 